0: Welcome to The Experience, sharing insights into the future of customer and employee experiences with Avaya.
1: Welcome back to another episode of The Experience, brought to you by Avaya, where we're bringing you thought-provoking conversations with industry leaders, technologists, creators, influencers, and others who are bringing to life the future of experiences. I'm Ginny Davis-Lee, Avaya's Head of Corporate Communications and Influencer Relations, and the guest host for today's special March episode, a panel discussion in honor of International Women's History Month. Join me now as I speak with Kathy Sobis, Senior Director of Collaboration Go to Market at Converge One, Michelle Taylor, Chief Information Officer for Leon County Government, and Tammy Briscoe, Vice President of Customer Support for North America at Avaya, as we discuss supporting, uplifting, and celebrating women in tech. Well, hello, everyone. It's so great to see all of you, and nice to meet some of you for the first time. My name is Ginny Davis-Lee, and this is my first time hosting this podcast So I'm honored to do so as we have International Women's Day coming up and Women's History Month for the whole month of March. I think we should have more than a day in a month, but I'm glad (laughs) nevertheless to get us all together and chat with you. As I think back on my career, I know how I got into my career. It wasn't intentional to get into a technology company, but being in New Jersey, AT&T at the time was up and down the state of New Jersey. And so it was a natural fit for me. But I'd be interested in hearing a little bit from you if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself to our audience and letting us know how you got into your career in technology.
0: I was just laughing when you said AT&T because that's actually when I started. My father was the reason why I ended up in the technology business. And I did 23 years at AT AT&T before switching over to British Telecom. And I just celebrated my second year at Avaya on March 1st. For me, it was my dad. And at the time, I remember thinking, I'm not strong in math and I'm not strong in science. But the thing was that technology, I was looking at it and thinking, but I could still do that. And so for me, it was an opportunity to grow up in the business. And that's what I did.
2: What about you, Kathy? For me as well, I also started at AT and T, and I'm trying to think back. <laughs> did I know you? Did I'm I? not sure. <laughs> I'm sure we crossed paths somewhere. Oh, everyone did. Everyone did. Yeah. So for me, I did a career change out of what I was doing traditionally, and moved into heading up customer experience or contact center at the time for one of our clients, a pretty large manufacturer. And I got very involved in the technologies early on that drove all the interactions, how they happened, the agents and the things in that of that nature that happen within a contact center and got really excited about it with the people that were calling on me from AT&T. And they recruited me over into, into technology in that way. So it was a very kind of natural progression. Like Tammy, I didn't look and say, well, I'm a mathematician or I'm an inventor or any of those things. I just more or less moved very easily from one side of customer experience to the other side of customer experience and then got deeper and deeper into the technologies that drove it. I spent a couple of years at AT AT&T before I moved on to Lucent and then Avaya as well. It's nice to be with all of you but uh, and nice to be celebrating women and women in history here.
1: Great. Thanks,
3: Kathy. And Michelle, tell us a little bit about your journey. Well, in high school, I never had any intentions of I mean, I didn't even know what computer science was at that point in time. But I was always pretty good at math and science. In fact, I took those classes instead of some other classes in high school um, just because they interested me. I was working for my aunt and uncle at the time. They owned two hearing aid businesses. And he was very entrepreneurial and bought this IBM word processor that literally was about the size of my desk today. And so I kind of started working with that. And so that's what really (laughs) got me interested in that. And then the programming side and, and it just went from there. Working at FSU, I was able to continue working on my bachelor's degree. And after I graduated with that, I was working in the biology department. I was like, okay, well, I get so many hours per semester free. I'll, uh, continue on for my master's. Michelle, you mentioned
1: programming. That's actually how I started out. My undergrad degree was in marketing. But when I graduated, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. My dad has always been in STEM and we were talking about opportunities. Everything I found, remember the newspapers, you used to look in the newspaper for job job ads Mm -hmm. and it was sales. And I'm like, I don't want to do sales. I don't want to do cold call. And he's like, well, what do you think about, there was a program at the time in New Jersey and it was for computer programming. It was a six month course. And I was like, well, you just paid for college. Are you sure you want to pay for that too? And he said, you know what? There aren't enough women in this field and try it out and see if you like it. And actually my sister and I did that and we loved it. It was a six month computer programming course. And that's how I got my first job. So I'm in marketing now in a tech company, but I actually started in computer programming. And I always thought it was that mix between logic, having to if then, and the creativity of putting that program together to get the the output. But as I think back to those days, it was primarily male-dominated. There were a couple of other young women in there at the time, and it wasn't until later in my career that I really came upon women who I looked at as role models and mentors. I'm trying to do that today for others. We can get to that topic in a bit, but I'm wondering in your careers, how it was for you, if there are any influential women that you might still work with or still be in touch with that really made a difference in your career. What about you, Kathy?
2: Yeah. So as I had mentioned before, working through AT&T and Lucent and Avaya, And I was in the contact center customer experience part or division. One of the role models that really sticks out for me, and she's still around and she's still a person that I reach out to, her name's Pat Schaefer. And at the time we called her, I think we even named her the goddess, right? I mean, she was just really heralded as a person with the thought leadership behind that technology and just forward thinking with regard to what she cared about and how she thought it could help other companies succeed. And I've watched her and her career for many years and had the ability to stay in touch with her as a result. And it's just amazing the evolution that technology has taken over the course of my career as well as hers and how much better lives are as a result of it, right? You know, So I almost look at that as a mentor, yet a mentor that was able to give back so much with regard to other people that could be involved in the technology, understand what their path and road forward would be on that, and the people that use the technologies as well, and how they use the technologies within their careers to keep going right? Keep pushing ahead, keep excelling and accelerating in their particular
1: domains. So I would have to say it's Pat and kudos to Pat. And isn't it interesting that the technology around us today allows us to keep in touch with these mentors long after we may stop working together or some have moved off no matter where they are in the world. So that's wonderful. Who else, Michelle or Tammy?
0: I do. Very early in my career, I had a lot of really amazing men who were mentors because mostly that's what I worked with. But one of my favorite mentors that I worked for for a long period of time, Ramona Tarkington Deal. I still have her on Facebook today, but it was so great. I was a single mom. So we talk about the flexibility of being able to work remotely. That was a long time ago, by the way. And she looked at me one day when I'd come into the office and it was a good hour and 20 minute commute. And she said, why do you come to the office every day? I said, I'm not really sure all the people that I support don't work in this office. And she said, why don't you work from home? Which was almost unheard of back then. But it was really something that she could look at it through the eyes that potentially a male boss would not have gone there. And she was just tremendous. She always had me think about things in a different way. And she questioned and she taught me to question things. And she's just been a terrific mentor through the years. And I could call her tomorrow and still have the luxury of that benefit of that experience. I really think the world of her.
3: In my early years, obviously, it was my mother who had a high school degree but yet was still able to be very successful in the medical field, medical management, office management. And still, at 77 years old, is, still has her own medical billing practice that she runs now. She's trying to slow it down a little bit, but she's still, she's still working now. She's the one that made me take typing in high school And I just didn't flat, did not want to take it because, and I told her, I don't want to be a secretary. She's like, no, you need to know how to type because you just need to know how to type. Thank goodness for that, because that obviously paved the way later into the word processing side of things, which, you know, kicked it off. But I, too, have had been very fortunate with my bosses over the years. They've all helped shape me and point me on a path, been able really to provide a lot of feedback. And then once I started working here at the county, Patricia Curtis was our CIO for 20 years, and she retired in January of 2020. That's when I became the CIO she just really taught me a lot about customer service and how to build bridges with the various departments that we support and the agencies that we support and I just can't thank all of them enough, all the people that have really paved the way for me and, and helped define that path to where I am today. I like your words paved the way because
1: certainly, if we think we've had challenges in our career, think of our mentors who were here before us and the challenges they may have had. As I was preparing for our discussion today, I was thinking about you know, the folks at different parts of my career that you know, I really looked up to and, and still do. And early on at Avaya, actually, our CMO at the time was Jocelyn Atal, And she was just unbelievably brilliant. And I had an opportunity to work directly for her as a senior manager in the company. I was afraid at first, but what struck me is as accomplished as she was, the patience she had with me to teach me things and not assume I already knew those things. And I I actually, that keeps me in check. I have a young daughter. I have a young niece. There's young ladies that I work with, and I have to remember that This is their first go round. They can't know everything already. So I try to give them the same courtesy of having patience with them in helping them, whether it's to write an executive email, whether it's how to present in a meeting, whatever it might do, things that we might take for granted. But for people, it might be their first exposure to executives. So Jocelyn was someone who I really appreciate. Let's talk a little bit about the state of STEM today, if you will. Do you think we're doing enough in our schools, high schools, our colleges, to attract women? I don't think we can ever do enough, right? And I kind of,
2: at times, I try and figure out how, or try and think about how I can do more. Maybe we can generate some ideas here on becoming more involved It was a good introspective question that you asked, because I happen to have two engineers as children, and one of them is now 30. And when I think back to when he first started enrolling in college, and I think about that career day, you know, that orientation day, not many females were in the ranks for the engineering college, not many at all. And now I have another one that's 20. Right. So 10 years later, how have we evolved? Have we evolved or what does it look like? And I'm happy to say it was almost the exact opposite where the overwhelming number of participants were female, shockingly, for me to see that person, that daughter come in and and go to college. So I do think some of the STEM programs and some of the focus programs on making sure that we have diversity in general are working. And I'm so, so grateful and happy to see that as well. Prior to getting involved in technology, I was a teacher. So many years ago, we would have programs that would invite females to take, participate in science, the sciences and get their advanced degrees in science and then teach it. And I think by virtue of doing that, we became role models within STEM a very long time ago. So I think it's twofold. It's one, who are those new and and up-and-coming mentors? Where do they show up for our children? As well as how does it carry through into the advancement of their particular professions? What are they trying to do and accomplish within their lives? And how do we stick with them? How do we continue to nurture that along the way?
0: I think there are a couple things in this sort of, this uh, track around getting more people to think about technology careers. I've seen a lot of focus at the grade school, middle school, kind of high school level, but I think there's something more than just encouraging people to be curious and to take the right classes that will sort of set them up for where they wanna go. There really needs to be a bridge between that college degree that people are pursuing and a career. And I think the the struggle becomes, what am I going to do? How am I going to earn a living? Because that pressure gets on in that last year of college. And some of the companies that I've been involved with over the years have looked at grad programs slightly differently. So not necessarily taking, although some did come directly out of their colleges, but taking some that actually just had a year or two of work experience and drafting them in. And it was interesting because some of the grads that I ended up mentoring were women who had chemistry as their majors and had been looking at physics and then decided, I'm really bored with this. I really wanna figure out how I can use my education in a technology environment. And those those were gifts those were just really gifts. They were highly educated people. But the point I'm making is the bridge to what do I do with that wasn't there for them. And I think while we focus a lot on getting kids from a very young age interested, older people want to know, what am I going to do with this? How am I going to be involved in something that is going to bring me the, the sort of job satisfaction that I want and still be able to learn new things and use what I know along the way.
1: I totally agree with you. So I was doing a little bit of reading before this. My father actually is still part of the National Academy of Science and Engineering. Well into his 80s, he's still working with them there. And there was a a study they did in 2020 that showed and it's no surprise here that fewer women are pursuing careers or advancing, that's key, advancing to leadership positions in STEM. And it's not because they lack talent or aspiration, but because of the barriers they face. And you can imagine there's any number of barriers, right? So I'd be interested in in knowing the barriers you guys have faced and what Or who has helped you overcome them in the industry we're in that's primarily male dominated?
0: One of the things that I think is consistent for women that have kind of grown up in technology is you have to kind of push yourself to get the seat at the table. It's not a case of somebody's going to recognize your good work and they're going to say, hey, why don't you come join us? It's almost like I equated to the days when I played basketball, and I'm not very tall, by the way, but neither were a lot of the people that were on my team. But when you would grab the ball and pull down with your elbows out so that there was some distance between you and the ball, and it was kind of letting everybody know, hey, I'm here. And I feel like... That's the thing that I've had to push myself for as I look back across my career. Someone's not just going to tap you on the shoulder and say, you know what? We saw what you did and you're going to be perfect for this job. So you really have to become more of your own advocate and use your mentors and the leaders in your business to make them familiar with what you've done. I never wanted the job just because I was a girl. I wanted the job because I was the right one for the job. And I think, I still think that as women, and I don't think I'm alone, we are still waiting for someone to recognize that we're the most, the most right candidate, the one that will do the job the best. We have a hard time putting ourselves out there. And unfortunately, it's not something that men seem to struggle with as much as we do we really do tend to wait to say we have a 100% of what it's going to take in order to be successful in that role. And others will sit back and say, you know what, 90's good, 90's good enough. I still to this day struggle with that and recognize that I have to put myself out there more than I do today.
3: I agree. And thinking about this and talking about barriers, I mean, try being female with a Southern accent and people automatically think you're stupid. So having to overcome those things, but part of it is how we carry ourselves. And and I do think it is harder for women to, to sell themselves and not, if a man does it, it's okay. He's confident. He's all these positive things. Depending on how a woman does it, it can come off in a completely different flavor and not positive. And so trying to balance that so that we don't have that look. But That is a hurdle that women have to overcome is being able to sell yourself and look confident and be confident without coming across negatively. Totally agree with both of you.
1: How about a couple more things before we have to wrap up talking about working from home? And two years ago, we were all thrown into that situation, whether we wanted to or not. I do happen to like getting to the office, I like seeing people, but the ability to be a role model or interact with members of your team, especially the younger members who are new, I felt that that was a challenge during um, the pandemic um, because I think people felt somewhat isolated and and it was a little harder for me to connect with them because it, it was years before I met some of them in person. Some of them I just met in person recently. And so I think back to my career And I was in the office with a young group of people every single day. So I I felt like I had like interests. And I think, what are you guys doing to inspire or retain, first of all, attract, inspire, retain some of those newer to career young women that are going to be us in many years?
2: I think being your authentic self shines through wherever you are and whatever you do. I don't think I've worked in an office since the 90s, recurrently. So for me personally, the remote work thing was just something I always did. And so I developed my own practices around who am I as a self and how can I help others along whatever their path is, right? Whatever their needs and accomplishments, what they want to be and what they want to do. And so I've used a lot of the tools that are available to us through technology to do so and to connect with people and to stay involved with them. And reaching into organizations that I participate in is also another way to stay connected. Like you, Jenny, I didn't see a lot of the people I'd been working with face-to-face until just a couple of weeks ago, quite frankly, right? When we had our sales kickoff and it was finally the well, I know you because I've seen you on video, but I didn't realize you were this tall or short or whatever. It's kind of funny, but you could recognize them right away. If this pandemic had happened prior to video, we would be in a very different place. I think in my mind, if this pandemic had happened prior to social media, same holds true, right? So I do think about the tools and technologies that keep us connected and how we can stay not only informed, but help others along the way in order to achieve great heights for whatever it is that they want. And I think that just exudes from the self that you are, the advocate that you are, as Tammy and Michelle were saying, the people that want to work with you and network with you in order to move ahead.
3: We've seen some of our new recruits coming in who don't want to work from home just for that very reason that they find it too isolating and they want to be around people. And that's, you know, that's some of the much younger staff. So I was a little surprised by that, delightedly so, but still surprised by it nonetheless. (laughs) I think that, and Leon County still struggling with the whole work from home thing. We did that. We started in March of 20. We did it until November of 20, and then everybody had to come back. And so in my department, I still try to, and I've always tried to be very flexible with my staff. I expect that flexibility, and so what's good for the goose is good for the gander kind of thing. And so I once told the dean at the law school, I had dropped off my son at daycare. It was one of those days that wasn't a good daycare drop-off. We've all had those. I was struggling. He was a baby at the time. I was struggling to keep my composure and get to work. I was five minutes late for work. I'm walking up the steps with the dean, and I couldn't speak at that point. And then he called me called me in over that and said, first of all, you know, I was late and and I didn't speak to him. And so I let him know at that point that, hey, first of all, I'm up at two o'clock in the morning, checking the backups and doing this on the server and checking, you know, cleaning these things up when nobody's using the stuff so it doesn't impact anything. I am very flexible with you and I expect the same thing in return. I'll be flexible with you as long as you're flexible with me. And I said, but I'll promise you this, you'll always get the long end of the stick. So you just rest assured on that. But he never questioned me about being five minutes late to work ever again. And we kind of had that understanding. And so I think that flexibility is real important. People's lives still go on. People's lives don't always revolve around eight to five just doesn't happen. That no, way. they don't.
0: And loyalty is something that you cannot measure yeah. in terms of when people punch in or when they punch out. And
3: I think that, you know, I think there's a balance. Men and women. Yeah, everybody.
0: there's a balance. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There are definitely pros and cons of, you know, not being able to be in the office. And you think about all the things that you've done over the years because you were in an office environment, whether it was doing a STEM program or it was bring your daughter or son to work day or all of these things help you build relationships. Relationships build collaboration, build the ability to do more. I do think that there is something missing when you don't have the ability to go to the office. Now, I can use the technology as well as anybody to stay in touch with people. And that's when I think one-to-ones and meetings on video because i'm like the queen of video i make my team use video except on friday when it's a no video day (laughs) you know some people have no email i like no video so we'll have video if they want to if they're comfortable we'll do video i'll do video but if i go on a call and everybody's off i go all right happy friday (laughs) but there's something to be gained by having the flexibility and when i've got teams that i know are on call 24/7 if they were 5 minutes late to a call i know they didn't do it on purpose
1: i think the one thing i've found and i don't know when this happened you guys may relate to when you're younger and you're raising your kids that's a challenge when you're working and then there's i guess they call it the sandwich generation i could be wrong on that where you still have young kids who need your help because i'm sorry even college and beyond those kids still need your help. But then you have your parents as well. So you know, you're caring for aging parents. So you're in that sandwich generation. But even being there, when I feel I'm torn in both directions, I still learn so much from both of them. I still learn from my parents. I still learn from my kids. And I learn from the younger folks in our company today. And uh, they may not think I'm cool. I think I'm pretty cool. They don't, but I still learn from them. And so when I think about how it can be daunting when you're new to your career and you're maybe afraid to take risks, you know, I certainly didn't take a lot of risks when I was younger and and I wish I had. I think back to this saying I have, I always say everything, well, nothing good happens after midnight and everything looks better in the morning. There's a song by a group that I follow. It's BTS. It's BTS the biggest K-pop band in the world, and it's called Zero O'Clock. And essentially, it's that everybody has a bad day or has challenges, things happen, stuff happens, right? But when the clock hand moves to zero o'clock, it's a reset and you have the opportunity to do your next day differently. I think about what I would say to young folks, you know, take a chance, take a chance in technology, take that risk- If it doesn't work out, zero o'clock's coming around again. You can always reset. But what would you, as we kind of roll out here, what, if you could leave folks with a couple of words of of wisdom or anything you would want to share, a message to a young woman or girl who's considering a career in STEM,
3: what would you say to them? There are so many avenues and not all are exactly the same. If you're a creative person, website development or programming or things like that where your creative side can come out. If you're more about a people person and you like dealing with you know people, then maybe in the tech area where you're actually the face of the IT department. If you're not so much the people person and and you like Delving into more of the kind of engineering or how does it work kind of thing. Maybe you're more suited to networking or systems work. I mean, there's just, and then there's the management role. And then, you know, there's just the world is wide open and there's so many different facets of the field Pat Curtis told me one time her son's like, I don't want to do IT. I don't want to do what you do. Cause he just saw what she did from a manager's side. And she's like, Oh, honey, you know, there's so much more to this than than the management side. And understanding that and, and being able to show them the different areas, I think that would be something that, that they could find something that they that they like to do.
2: I would say don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And keep your aperture open, like really start to think about how you can be involved if that's an area of interest for you. And seek others that can help you along the way. And if somebody declines you, move on to the next one. Don't take no for an answer if you really feel that that's where you belong.
0: I think the best phrase on that is, yes, you can. I think that people, kids will put limitations on themselves. Young adults will put limitations on themselves. And yes, you can. And I love zero o'clock because what do you really have to lose, especially when you're young and starting out? Go for the thing that you love and that said you'll never work a day in your life. And I think technology was just one of those things that hooks you. And as you said, you can move to lots of different things. I tried lots of different things. It was why I had such a long career at at and I moved from one thing to the next, and I bridged my learning across that. And I really think that that's an opportunity that people don't think about right now. You get to come into something. If it's something that you love or that you see something else that you think you'd like better, make that move. There's nothing ventured, nothing gained. That's how I would look at this. It is such a wide open area to do so many things, as Michelle pointed out. I think it's a great area. And I think that's why all of us have made a career of it Mm. because it is interesting and it has been fun. And every day i learned something I didn't know before.
1: The industry continues to evolve with technology and therefore what we do continues to evolve. And I think you're right, Tammy. That's what keeps it so interesting. I just
0: want to say one thing though. I really wish that younger me would have asked for mentoring along the way a lot earlier than I did. And for anybody who's listening to this podcast, I do still mentor people. In fact, one of the greatest joys is when someone that you've been mentoring really goes beyond where you are, where you've made it, and they look back and they say, Thank you, you know. And You'll find yourself wondering, what did I do that was worth that? But it matters. Mentoring matters. People who have the ability to listen and help ask the questions back that will help someone think a little bit deeper, which is what I credit Ramona for doing for me, is something that I that I like to give back.
2: I love the idea of the younger me. And I think if I could tell my young self to do things a certain way or differently, I think the advice that I would give would be just be curious. I know we talked about that a little bit earlier, but be curious. Don't be closed-minded that you think you have to pursue a certain path because others say, we see this as your skill set, or we think this is your passion. And and just be curious and and don't be afraid to go down those paths.
3: And to play off of both of those, don't let other people define you. Don't necessarily hear that you know, you're you not good at this or you're not good at that, because maybe you are really good at those things. And and finding the things that you love will, will help guide you down that path. Right. And I like the
1: younger me too, as well.
3: And I would say to uh,
1: to folks that It's not always going to be an easy road, just like in life, right? It's not always going to be an easy road. You're not always going to get the outcome you like, but it's not forever. Either you can remove yourself from that situation or the impediments in your way will be removed for one reason or another, and you'll move on. And I think that looking back now, I see that. I wish I had seen it then because sometimes you think those things are the end of the world right? When you don't get the job you want or your favorite boss leaves or what it might be, but it's not forever. Thanks again to Kathy Sobis, Michelle Taylor, and Tammy Briscoe for coming on the show and talking about supporting, uplifting, and celebrating women in tech. If you've enjoyed this show, please be sure to rate and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm your guest host, Ginny Davis-Lee, and this has been The Experience, where we share insights into the future of customer and employee experiences.